All right, North Central Connected. This is uh, the official podcast of North Central Electric Cooperative. I am your media specialist, Justin Jaggers. I'm joined once again by our CEO and general manager, Kevin Doddridge. Hello, everyone. Director of Marketing and Business Development, Michael Bellapani. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's, everybody. Yes, and we... I should be happier. I'm sorry. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's, Happy Holidays, everyone. Yeah. How was your boxing day? (laughs) <laughs> um, okay, so we said at the, uh, the beginning of the month that this was the last time you'd hear for us, but we were wrong. Um, we are here to do a special podcast and address some questions that some of our members had over the past weekend. And um, I'm just going to ask if the, the top 10 questions that we've had, and I'm going to uh, let you answer them, Kevin. And, um, and just as a precursor, I'm going to tell you what I know. Uh, I'm not going to spend much time telling you what I don't know. Yeah. This is our, these are events that happened fairly recently, so we don't have all the answers right now. So I'm going to do my best not to mislead anyone. But. Well, with the first question is, what happened? Ha! That's a great one. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me just um, carry us back just a little bit. What is a load curtailment plan? A load curtailment plan is something that is devised between a power supplier like TVA who generates and transmits power and us. And a load curtailment plan isn't necessary if there's ever uh, an imbalance in the system that could trip off the entire system. And the concern about that is once you lose large parts of a transmission system, picking it up is very difficult and it takes a long time. So what happened was, and we have had a load curtailment plan with TVA for many years now, and it starts at a lower level to where we agree to change thermostats in our office, and it escalates up to uh, asking the community to maybe, in, in, in times of cold, set their thermostat down, in times of heat, set it up, uh, different things, and um, it, can, it can transform all the way to the point to where TVA drops us, and that's where we are completely taken out of the equation. We have no say-so. We are, as we say, dead at the bus, at the substation, and our system is down. And they have that prerogative to, to do that in the event. There's an imbalance mainly due to high demand, coupled with generation assets that are underperforming or not performing at all. So what happened was, uh, y'all all realize what happened to the weather last week. I believe it was the 23rd. That was mm-hmm. a Friday. Bad Cold weather came in the night before. It came in immediately and harshly. I was outside when that wind quickly moved out of the north, and temperatures dropped 20 degrees maybe in an hour. It, it was a real dramatic change in temperature. Now, on the distribution side, what North Central has, we are prepared for changes in temperature like that. We have a system that is prepared for zero degree temperatures because that is something that not routinely, but does occasionally happen to us. So our distribution system was prepared for that. Uh, We got information later on in the night that the TVA system was having some problems. So they implemented, uh, they kind of put us on watch that we could be asked to ask people to set their thermostats down a little bit. There could be some issues. Now, I'm going to have to, as you know, I can't even talk without wearing glasses. But a step 10 is when the, the local power companies start setting their thermostats down in office buildings. People think that doesn't make a lot of difference, but if you take 150-something distributors, two or three offices apiece, you got a couple hundred out there mm-hmm. that are doing it, so it can help a little bit. But you, you go all the way up to a level 50 as far as what we have control, 
and level 50 is when we have to start rolling blackouts. Um, I've been at North Central since 1987. I've never seen anything surpass a level 30. Uh, and in the history of North Central, I'm not aware of any time we hit a level 50. But somewhere early that Friday morning, as temperatures were hovering around one degree, I believe, we were asked to go through levels 10 all the way to 50, roughly in the matter of an hour. Now, why did this happen? A multitude of things. Several of the TVA uh, generation facilities went offline. The cold put them out of commission. Exactly what happened, I do not know. The Cumberland fossil plants, which account for maybe 2,500 megawatts of power, the largest coal uh, facility they have, I think can serve up to a million homes. Uh, they lost it, it froze up. When I inquired on a call the next morning, I was told that um, based on what happened in Texas several years ago, uh, they, had put, they had tried to mediate that by putting some antifreeze devices in there, but obviously they didn't work. We lost Cumberland, TVA lost Gallatin plants, plants at Kingston, multiple uh, natural gas plants. Why they lost them as of right now, we're not completely sure. Uh, these are all uh, plants that typically you would hope to work well during cold weather because if you have a coal plant the fuel is there you're, you're not waiting on fuel to be transported sometimes natural gas can get a little thick in the cold and not transport very well but um, this happened very quickly so we were told in the span of about one hour that we were gonna have to go from adjusting thermostats to doing rolling blackouts a rolling blackout uh, is a is a way to conserve energy uh, without affecting everybody at one time. And we were told that we needed to uh, drop about 5% of our total load at the time. And we did that by rolling blackouts as opposed to dropping the whole system for a while or anything like that. So it was a supply and demand imbalance. Um, Absolutely. And brought, brought on by a malfunction in some generating plants. I will say this too, that the, the rolling blackouts in the uh, length of time of 30 minutes mm -hmm. was um, was pretty helpful to both us and the member because it uh, curtailed our load but it didn't um, it did it, it it wasn't anything that would have impacted equipment pipes anything like that should not have it was it wasn't a major disruption at my house it got cold after about 10 minutes uh, but um yeah, that's the only damage we had due to that. That's right. So, uh, second question that we got a lot was, how do you decide, how did North Central decide mm -hmm. where to perform each outage? Um, you got to remember, we had people that were following the, the storm, following the cold on their SCADA devices at their homes. Uh, we got this notification, and the notification basically gave us I think it was around five minutes to shed five megawatts of load. Um, we couldn't get it done quite that fast. Um, our, our system, um, our director of operations and engineering who was acting as system operator felt it best and I agreed with him to, to do that load dropping in the office and our system with our system operators. Uh, we met up here and the decision was made 
probably on his drive in to make sure that we scatter everything, which I think we all would agree upon. So we picked several circuits. We made sure that some were in Bahia, some were in Olive Branch, some were in more rural areas, some were in more urban areas, and made sure that um, what we were dropping would equate to about 5% of the system load, which I'm just grabbing numbers, was probably about 1,000 megawatts, I believe. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, and, and it, was, it was done by circuit, too. Right. So We were able to do that remotely. We didn't have to travel to our substations and open up switches and devices. We could do that um, from here remotely and time it and then pick the next. I, th I think the first circuits that we dropped were maybe three in total, maybe four, making sure that we had that amount of uh, megawatt demand on there. And as soon as they were dropped, there was a calculation going forward as to what circuits would be next. And once again, making sure that we kept them scattered. And then sometimes, of course, if we hit a, an industrial area um, that had not curtailed already, because that was part of a curtailment plan, is some of those larger industries uh, participated in interruptible programs, so some of them might have uh, curtailed already. But we worked with them to see you know, which ones had a, um, some type of process that would damage if they were interrupted for a long period of time and, and made decisions going forward really on that with the goal just making sure that we were getting that 5% off. And I think we went through three cycles on Friday of interrupting consumers and then as it warmed up during the day, TVA told us that we could come down to more like a level 30, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think everybody can agree that day two of this, this was a two-day event. The first day was kind of reactionary and uh, very intentional in what we were doing, but day two was uh, had a lot more thought and, and planning into it uh, from a communication standpoint, from uh, implementation standpoint. Um, we actually had eight cycles, and we knew those we would go through those eight cycles in 30-minute intervals, and it was we had a little more time to prepare for it, I guess. Okay, um, and then also, why were we not given advance notice? Um, we really did not have enough notice ourselves to give notice. Uh, there's probably some things there we can do better. Well, I know there's some things there we can do better. Um, if I had it to do all over again, we were told on Saturday, backing up, we were told on Friday that the likelihood of curtailments the next morning, uh, it wasn't a, you know, it, it all depended on whether they could get some of these generating units repaired and back online. So we really weren't sure if we would have rolling blackouts or if we would be back at a level 40 or exactly where we were going to be. Uh, we got hit the next morning. I believe it was a little after 5 a.m. Well, we got a warning around 2 or 2.30 saying that the, uh, the possibility of a level 50 was out there. But we got hit once again with a quick notice a little bit after 5 and this time we were asked to reduce our total load by 10%. So as you can tell, that, that was going to be a different formula to come up with mm -hmm. um, on, on who all to drop. Now, one thing I will say when you talk about advance notice, advance notice probably could be in the form of we think there is a um, chance that you could have a, there could be a rolling blackout. Anything that we would do would probably be done system-wide. It would be difficult just to pick select areas, uh, whether it's done by social media or text. 
um, I think we can do a little better there going forward. We're going to keep this playbook from this last week, and we're going to know what circuits gets us 10 megawatts, what circuits gets us 20, and hopefully can somehow. Now, we won't be able to text, you know, Michael, if your power was on and Justin, yours wasn't. We couldn't focus it on the consumer, but maybe send out a text to the entire community saying uh, these areas are going to be without power in 30-minute intervals. Yeah. And then you at least know that. But as far as preparing in advance, the, the call is made so quickly, it's really hard to do. But mm -hmm. we could put you on notice. I will say this. That's, that's why we always speak about preparedness, too, um, when it comes to severe weather events. Um, you know, most households need a plan to, to be able to weather an outage lasting longer than 30 minutes mm -hmm. so um i understand extreme temperatures are extreme temperatures but um at the same time you know talk about it with you with, with your family and have a plan together uh batteries charge devices whatnot uh and be prepared mm -hmm. okay um now is this <clears throat> shortage this you know this ex expected unexpected high demand is that does that does that have anything to do with the rapid growth in our area? I would say rapid growth in our area, no. Um, but it does appear as though TVA struggled to keep up with the growth in a high demand period of time, and that would be probably spread over the Tennessee Valley. Um, I'm, you're going to hear me be critical of TVA sometime, and, and I just have to be. I've defended them for a long time, but I'll, I'll, I'll point out when there's some weaknesses. Uh, the cold getting down to five degrees or to zero, that, that's going to happen. And rarely do we have power supply issues. Uh, and sometimes you'll have power supply issues if you have what I call a regional event. So the issue wasn't really that we had a lot of growth in this area, but there has been load growth throughout the valley. And I do not know what TVA's um, work program is now as far as providing new generation type of generation, uh, maintenance on the old generation. This Cumberland plant, I believe, is around 50 years old. And then also something that you have to take into consideration is TVA, as does most utilities, always have a plan to go off system and purchase more electricity. And at the time when this all happened, PJ&M to the north, Duke to the east, I believe, in the MISO area, they were in such a constraint, they could not sell. So TVA was going it alone, somewhat as they were. And if my understanding is correctly, even if TVA could have procured power off system, the transmission system was at such a constraint, it would have been difficult to import it in. So growth always attributes because you just got more demand for electricity. Uh, listen, we'll pick on the small things. I mean, if you drove through this area, 90% of the homes have Christmas lights, and those Christmas lights stayed on all night, and your, and your cities maintained lights, and you know, there were some bright areas. Uh, when, they, when these rolling blackouts started, you know, take another little shot. Nashville and Chattanooga were very lit up. Uh, so there is some load growth component to it, but it's the recognition of TVA to be able to keep up with it and make sure that they maintain that margin to where when we get a bad um, period of weather like this, that we can work through it. Okay. Um, another question that we had with people concerned about damage to their property is, what are you going to do about burst pipes and the property damage that a homeowner might have received? Yeah, well, the good thing is we'll provide you any information you want to file a claim. 
Uh, we can tell you when your home had curtailment, why it was curtailed, you know, the length, and even the temperature when that took place. Now, unfortunately, North Central maintains in our bylaws and our agreement with our membership that uh, we, we are not able to guarantee power all the time. So with that in mind, North Central, the cooperative, we did not act in a um, negligent manner. We did everything and, and wanted to do everything we could to keep the power on. Uh, it would have been negligent if we had probably not taken the action of the rolling blackouts and let multiple substations trip out. Uh, but we were proactive and, and, you know, we talk about 30 minutes and I'd like to work to where if we have to do this in the future, and if we haven't done this in my lifetime, I'd like to think we're not going to do it again, but maybe even work up a scheme to where the blackouts can be dropped down to 15 or 20 minutes. Okay. Um, can, <clears throat> can we provide an outage map of areas planned to be out in the future? Um, that would kind of fall along with the, uh, with the texting. Mm -hmm. And we could probably, like I said, I, I feel uh, confident we could do the texting to the whole community, not just to the specified people. And then we could also make sure that that would reflect when it happened uh, on the outage map. Now to put out a map that breaks down exactly where it is, I'm not gonna say that's impossible, but I would like to think that if, if I'm a homeowner and I get a text that says, the power is going to be out in East Olive Branch, West Pleasant Hill, the Casey area, that, that I'll be able to determine that's going to be me. And then also, like I tell people and told our dispatchers, we're just reminding people, um, you know, 30 minutes or 15 minutes, we'll give you the time of the outage. And when if you exceed that time, that's when you need to start calling and letting us know that, that, that something hasn't gone as planned. Yeah. Well, um, sorry, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, you know, after the fact, we will have an outage map very soon that will be available to the to the public to the membership where they can go and see where outages have occurred or are occurring we've got a couple of bugs we're working out with that but uh to to provide a map you know up front ahead of time in a in a quick response situation like we were we were working is it's you know a little difficult to mm -hmm. to accomplish okay um speaking of you know calling in and uh, longer outages why were some of the residents out for two and a half hours on friday well you met, you heard me mention earlier a cold start mm -hmm. and a cold start that's when you that's when you drop the system and, and that's when you you it's hard to pick it all up at the same time even though fortunately a lot of the electric heat the heat pumps and everything they cycle on i noticed at my home i've got three heat pumps that heat it and when my power came back on um, after my first blackout i heard them in about 30 second delays slowly come on so it wouldn't hit it all at once but that doesn't happen everywhere i believe we experienced some equipment failure as of trying to pick up an area coming east out of Payne lane down 302 to a barton am i right yeah somewhere a breaker, in that area I, or a relay or a breaker I think. so when you're when you're operating this equipment even though you're doing it remotely in zero degree temperatures and then i don't even know what the effects that wind had as far as the, the windshield on the um i i I hate it that we lost power for that length of time, but we're, we were able to isolate it and minimize it as best we could through sectionalizing everything. But um, considering the conditions, I was, I was concerned we would have more of that. Let me add to that too, because I had something during that outage that disturbed me a little bit, that we had some comments from folks questioning 
you know, why we had an extended outage and it appeared that there was a North Central employee sitting in the truck at the substation. Um, you know, what, what, what are we doing? Folks, please keep in mind that, you know, in a troubleshooting situation, you do have multiple people that are riding circuits, that are riding lines, looking for trouble, trying to identify the cause of the outage. And that person at the substation may be there in a protective role. And if it's five degrees outside, we encourage them to get back in the vehicle. Absolutely. I mean, it's, Absolutely. It, that stuff takes a toll on you quick. And, um, you know, I saw some commentary that led me to believe that uh, people in, were approaching our, our workers in the field. Um, we strongly discourage that. Um, they're doing their job, and they're doing it the best and safest way they know how. Um, and we certainly don't want any of that to impede the work that they're doing. Or, or risk the safety of those in the community who are getting up in a workspace. Absolutely. Like I said, when that equipment fails under those conditions, you just don't know what the outcome's gonna be. Yeah. Um, so why not cut off the businesses first, since they were probably closed due to the holiday and the weather? Well, like I said, uh, we've got some heavy industry that does take advantage of interruptible products to where they get a slightly cheaper rate and they agree to do that. Mm -hmm. Now, if you're thinking about retail businesses, um, and if you think about the, the way our plant is built physically, and I'll just pick on um, the Goodman Road area, uh, you, you'll pick up several residential developments, but then that same line is going to serve some retail. So it's all in the same circuit. Mm -hmm. uh, also, I think the question had to do with um, they were already closed. Well, if they were closed, then their demand might be down mm -hmm. already. And that, that really was blended into the formula, you mm -hmm. know, of trying to get that 5% down. So it's, a, it's, it's more of a net 5%. Um, I, I think, you know, you can make a strong case for that, but the, the way we were rolling everything using the circuit system, which is the best way to do it, especially since we could do it remotely, yeah, you're going to have homes cut out, you're going to have businesses cut out. Um, and uh, like I said, the biggest thing is, you know, 30 minutes and um, hopefully you didn't uh, some areas including mine had to be cycled twice but fortunately the majority of our community only had to be cycled once i'll add this you know there was some thought put into this in, in avoiding interruption of power to a hospital that we serve mm -hmm. to nursing homes we tried to to mitigate any of these sensitive operations but some of this industry is sensitive kevin mentioned that um they're their production process uh, if they experience a momentary outage it might cost that company you know upwards of uh, three hundred thousand um, dollars not to mention loss of productivity and mm -hmm. that but another thing that folks don't realize is that Olive Branch we have several companies that distribute pharmaceuticals to the entire nation um, and they those pharmaceuticals have to be maintained at a certain temperature and under certain conditions and I mean, if you have an outage on some of these, um, it, it could cause a nationwide supply chain issue because of the sheer percentage of the nation's uh, drugs that come through uh, Olive Branch. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> number nine, the, my favorite question, what's going to happen when everyone drives an electric vehicle? Well, and, and not to appear short on that, everybody's not going to drive an electric vehicle. I got posed that question in the early 90s with the advent of the electric heat pump. And how are we going to be able to um, power every home when everybody switched from natural gas 
to electric heat pumps, and here we are pushing 2023. It hasn't happened. It's not going to happen. People like choices, and that's the way it's going to be with electric vehicles. Um, you're, you're just not going to have everyone in an electric vehicle. Now, if I had an electric vehicle in my home, I would probably um, manage that situation well in that I charged it pre-event. Also, and uh, I have not seen this done, but I know talking to uh, colleagues of mine throughout the country, uh, if your electric vehicle is charged and you go through a 30-minute blackout, then you can actually use the batteries on the EV to charge your home. So you can turn it into a solution for you if you would like. But um, I, have, I, I will give that, uh, that question a little bit of credence in that if we as electric utilities are going to say that the electrification of our country is beneficial and it's important, then we're going to have to back it up and we're going to have to make sure the product's there. Yeah, and it, it extends beyond electric vehicles. I mean, had this been an ice storm situation, I know many of us, including myself, own an electric chainsaw. Um, so had that chainsaw not been charged, I couldn't have possibly dug myself out of uh, ice storm damage in my yard, yeah. which is heavily wooded. Okay, and so uh, last question. What are y'all going to do to prevent this from happening again? Um, this is, this, there's going to be a drawn-out process now of us working with TVA. And, and just to be abrasive, we're going to demand answers. Um, the number of generating units, the older fossil units that TVA lost, that I was told by TVA they lost, I don't think anybody can stomach that or think for a second that that is acceptable, because it wasn't. Uh, I am on a um, long-term planning committee with TVA, and TVA has a pretty good plan going forward, or thought they did, regarding the retirement of some fossil plants and then a mixture of um, renewables demand side management, et cetera. But I've always felt as though you've got to have a strong foundation of what we call firm power. And that's typically made up of nuclear and your fossil fuels. Mm -hmm. And we want a clean environment. Nobody wants that more than I do. Um, I like to get out, I like to fly fish, I like clean streams and rivers, clean air. But we are gonna have to hold TVA's feet to the fire and say we are a growing area um, demand for electricity in the valleys at an all-time high. The kilowatt hour sales might not match it, but homes are becoming electrified more and more. Industry is coming back. Michael can attest to this. We're not dealing with a megawatt industry coming back. We're, we're dealing with them coming in talking 10, 15, 50. Um, the need for electricity is, is only going to grow exponentially, and we have got to have firm power and I think we're going to spend a considerable amount of time with TVA. Uh, I feel certain that local regulatory agencies, national regulatory agencies, and probably even uh, members of Congress are going to have a lot of questions, as are we, their customers. We are going to reflect on a very poor communication plan that TVA had to inform us of what was going on, what was anticipated, and then be informed of, because we need to know uh, what all generation issues 
we have currently so we can prepare going forward. TVA doesn't like to disclose what all their generation issues are during an event because it can affect markets and that makes complete and total sense. I don't have to know everything at the moment, but I'm going to want to know a lot more than I know right now um, going forward. And I just don't think we're going to ease up on them until we get this. TV TVA has reached a turning point, especially with some larger munis wanting to look at leaving. And uh, I have defended TVA for a long time, saying that what TVA brought that other markets did not bring was that reliable firm power. And that did not happen. And it happened at a bad time. And that is something that we've got to make sure does not happen again going forward. Okay. Well, that covers all the questions that we have. And if you have any questions, you can call us at 662-895-2151, info at northcentralelectric.com, Facebook, Twitter. If they'll do that info, then you can get them to me quicker and we can probably get out responses because I'm, I'm anxious to answer questions as able. We didn't want to deliver the bad news, but occasionally we have to, and we do care about getting those mm -hmm. outages taken care of and everybody back to normal. So, anything you'd like to add? No, just uh, folks, keep in mind that, that our our job is to serve you, the member. We are a member-owned cooperative, mm -hmm. so everything we do is is w w with you in mind. And um, believe me, uh, uh, you know we had a, a lot of dedicated folks that left their families and um, on on a holiday and and. Mm -hmm. Uh, we appreciate their efforts and their work. We have work. worked a lot of Christmas Eves in the last five years. We sure yeah. have. Like, so, <laughs> ten. Well, yeah. But not, not, not to ask anybody to feel sorry for us because we, no. we certainly are here for uh, to keep the power on. And it's my job to sell power. Believe me, I want to do it. Uh, <laughs> but thank you all for your patience and understanding. All right. Well, we'll see you next year.